When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents Donald Trump with a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, we're going to start with kind of a silly story from the morning announcements that I saw this morning, Sammy. And I was like, we have got... We can't we can't leave the sub audience out of some of these today. Yeah, this is a good one. So anyone who's ever been on Venmo or utilized it as, you know, a stalking mechanism or you know what? I don't want to call it stalking. Let's just call it an intelligence gathering operation because <laughs> that's really what it is. Um, so Joe Biden, our president, made a casual mention to The New York Times about how he used Venmo to send his grandkids money. And basically, this sparked BuzzFeed to look for his Venmo. And they were able to find it within like 10 minutes. (laughs) And they were able to find like his grandkids' Venmo, his kids' Venmo. I'm sure Hunter Biden might have some interesting things on his Venmo. (laughs) Definitely Um, from back in the day. Plus, like all the White House top eights. So, um, yeah, that is, they were really the stories how quickly they were able to find it. And I don't know, that's kind of like a national security question. Right. That's like kind of like a Trumpy story for the Biden age, but in a way that luckily this time probably didn't hurt anybody. Right. I mean, he wasn't like sending Venmos to MBS or anything, but, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would make their Venmo public. I don't know why, like, even if you're like buying the most simple thing or like giving your money, like for any reason, I'm always private. I don't understand why people do pay people publicly. It's so strange. So strange. Who wants anyone to know who they're transacting with? Like, even if you're just doing nothing wrong, like it's just no one's business. Yeah, it's nobody's business. And there can be some really weird inferences. I try to make all of mine private, but like a good example is that I'm doing um, a smile direct and it's like a lot cheaper if you pay for it all at once, but I don't really want to do that. But my, my fiance like has a little bit more of a cushion to do that. So he's, he's paying for it and I'll pay him. But then he Venmoed me and he made it public and he just did teeth, the teeth emojis, <laughs> just a bunch of teeth <laughs> with like this huge sum. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, man, this is, we got to make this. We should probably join accounts, but also we got to make this private. People don't see the amount. They just see the teeth. Oh, good. Which like makes it weirder. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, baby. Yeah. Give me those teeth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it, like you, you don't get to explain the context. 
True. Exactly. And uh, well, I wanted to talk about that story because to me, that's like such a great example of the type of stories you'll find in morning announcements. Like whenever I look in the morning, there are always just there's always, you know, the frontline news story that everybody's thinking of and wants to get updated on, even if they don't have time to listen to this up. But you also find these things that I do not encounter that are just like (laughs) the wild little nuggets that make me happy that to be a person that watches the news, you know, because there there was something else in there today about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, the the wild nuggets just have a way of finding me. Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Green. So there's an investigation from like a local Atlanta outlet. Um, she's a Georgia representative, so that's why it would be a local Atlanta outlet. And local news is, you know, very important mm-hmm. as we know. Um, they basically found that she filed for two homestead tax exemptions, which is illegal to do. She like you're only allowed to file for one, so she is going to get fined potentially. I don't know. It's um, not really like that exciting. She but doesn't it is follow the laws. Yeah, she doesn't follow like, HR procedure for any workplace. Right. It is something to know about her is that she is filing for, you know, illicit tax oh. exemptions. Also, important note, today is the last day to do your taxes, as I just remembered, and I have to finish. <laughs> oh vaxed my and taxed, baby. Vaxed and taxed. Audience members. How many audience members do you think are fine, are like remembering it because of this? I, I mean, Sammy, thank God you just said that, because I, 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 I on the Zoom, if you, you couldn't see this, but I just like smacked my head. Like, <laughs> oh my Our gosh. podcast producer, Jorge, just said him too. I almost delayed it, but like on the 15th, I had everything ready and I was like, it would be insane if I just decided to wait for a month. Also this year I got a little money back. So I was like, I have to just do it. That is such a millennial thing to like delay it just because you don't want to like go outside. Totally. You want to go to the post office. I think I mentioned on the podcast a few times, but I recently had to deal with like a tax issue that I had neglected. You don't want to do that. It is so much worse than just dealing with something that might be unpleasant now. Like the IRS, they suck, but they will, they want to help. They want their money. So they want to help you get them their money. So it's much better to figure out now how you can pay them if you owe them or even if you owe them. It's been like a weird year. So yeah, delaying doesn't help anybody, Brian. They want their money unless you're Walmart, Apple, FedEx, one of those companies. And they're just like, there's like, you could, you could just keep it for yourself. (laughs) But you know, I, something that you're, that you're saying about how, like, you know, you just get it over with. Mm -hmm. I just do feel like what I've realized lately is that like adulthood is just constantly choosing the future you over the like five minutes from now you. And it's like so annoying because like mm-hmm. the five minutes from you now you is so much easier to satisfy. Yeah. Anyway. And you know what? Sometimes I think <laughs> it's fine to just satisfy that person. I do. A, right. I try to do like a 50 50. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you hate and then you hate your five minute ago person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, existential questions on the SUP. Existential questions. We'll go into some more of those. So today we are going to go through some more updates from the violence between Hamas and the Israeli military, which is also playing out in the streets of Israel and Palestine. This has not um, gotten any better. This has gotten uh, materially much, much worse since the last time we talked about it. And uh, since, since Friday, every day has unfortunately escalated and uh yeah i cried a lot over the weekend oh that's good crying helps <laughs> i didn't cry at all i tried to forget about it and ignored <laughs> i literally ignored it over the weekend yeah, because i was so was stressed about it last week 
It's um, getting stressful. Yeah. It's getting very stressful. Justin, Brian, I think we missed you on the pod last week. I must have forgotten to schedule you, but uh, you're back with us today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I'm so happy I could be for uh, an easy, light one. I'm glad that I'm back <laughs> for this. Yeah. That was sarcasm yeah. yes. for those who didn't yeah. grasp it. <laughs> so I will go through some updates. As I say, I'm trying to do it in the most neutral language, but you know we're always getting feedback that gives me new ways to do that and new things to keep in mind as I am sharing stuff to this up. If you're listening to this podcast, I appreciate that because this is the space on SUP as a universe that we have the most room for, I think, nuance and to go into depth just in a way that doesn't really work the same on other platforms. And we can't necessarily engage with potential reactions and talk about them. So if you want to be up to date with us talking about this, this is probably the best way. And it's important to note too, and I don't think this is like a negative weird thing to say, but like the SUP is a lot of people and we don't all feel the same way about everything. And so- if you're going to one place, you're not going to see everything. And, and that's not a problem. That's like the way that it functions. It's the same with like NBC News or the New York Times. I mean, we're not like a prestige media outlet, but Excuse again, me. <laughs> <laughs> the sub podcast, I think is the best way to like get the full context of the information and to the extent we're sharing it, how we feel about it as individuals there. The sub does not speak with a unified voice. Yeah. And it's also just like, Uh, there's so much to talk about and that you can't in the newsletter or in the morning announcements, like you can't approach all of it or in in an hour long podcast either. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say, that's not to say that we're going to cover everything, but yeah, the disclaimer is that I read the feedback, even if I don't, um, I don't see all of it, but I see most of it and I take it in and I'm trying to implement it. So thank you. I'll be honest. I don't even speak with a unified voice in myself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's true. Like you could, I mean, I'm not, not that I'm talking about this every hour, but in my head, as I'm talking to myself, I'm like changing. Yeah, it's, well, it's totally. confusing. We mm-hmm. talked about the nature of the cyclical nature of it last week. But so I'll share some updates from the weekend. This was an incredibly deadly weekend with so much carnage. Yesterday, Sunday was the deadliest day of the week-long conflict so far. Israeli airstrikes killed 43 Palestinians and injured 50 others most of whom were women and children, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. Over a thousand people at this point have been injured. The death tolls are so important, but the injuries are also, I mean, this is a place where people don't have good access to medical care. It's like 70% unemployment. The scope of the injuries are going to be really devastating for this population on an ongoing basis too. And with the latest casualties, the death toll in Gaza has climbed to a total of 197. This is the worst bout of violence in the area since 2014, the Gaza War, which saw more than 2,200 Gazans killed, including 550 children. The attacks over the weekend have been in response to Hamas continuing to fire thousands of missiles into Israel, which have killed 10 Israelis. Hamas has fired this morning. I saw over 3,000 rockets. The Iron Dome intercepts a lot of those. I read 80 to 90%, but they do still land. Debris from one killed a five-year-old boy in a bomb shelter. I shared some information about this yesterday, and some people took issue with the fact that I clarified the Iron Dome doesn't intercept everything. But I only did that because Israel does face attacks, potential violence across the region. So it would just be incorrect to suggest that Israeli civilians are under are not vulnerable at all. But obviously, Palestinians have no shelters. They're completely vulnerable and exposed. So it's a completely different situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just really 
really scary and sad. I mean, and also I think, I think now like we're talking about like, you know, responses to it's, it, it, I think people are with like Twitter and also people just being more activated after the Trump administration and the black lives matter movement. I think this time we're seeing a lot more people who normally wouldn't put pressure or have an opinion, have a stronger opinion. So I it's, I'm interested to see like how the the dialogue around it changes now that people are more paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can definitely see how the dialogue has shifted and this round of violence has definitely not, I, I would say both PR wise and in terms of what they've actually done been very bad for Israel. Like it is, the, I mean, you're you're going to get into this next, but the AP, the uh, building with AP and Al Jazeera, like when you like look at all the totality of circumstances around that, it's like there is no excuse for that. Yeah. And it's just like, how are they continuing to do this? And then you you ask yourself that question. And it's like because BB wants to make sure that he does not that 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 there's not able to. Okay, the way is the way Israeli politics is very complicated, but basically, like he doesn't want other factions to be able to form a government mm-hmm. against him to force a fifth election, so that he can then hopefully win in that election. But like he is, yeah, he's, he is a corrupt leader, and yeah. he is a right wing extremist to an extent. Yeah. I mean, like, and yeah. you know, he's currently in trial on corruption charges, yeah. and so. You also have to wonder what are his real, like, what are the intentions as well? Like, you know, like we saw with the Trump administration trying to start a conflict with Iran and Argentina just to try and win re-election um, and really firing up those, you know, that sort of rhetoric. And it's just, it's unacceptable unacceptable like it's it's yeah. disgusting. it's it's, it's unacceptable. the elections sammy are actually having a material impact on netanyahu's decisions here too because he said basically we'll get to the ceasefire stuff we have a full section on that but basically what he says is like no i still have to protect the israelis i'm not done we're not done and that seems like a campaign slogan in in my opinion yes but if you're an Israeli in a bomb shelter, you're probably like, he's just trying to protect us. And and that's most important to us, which is why this has helped him politically. There was about to be another government formed without him as the prime minister, because there was mm-hmm. going to be a, a coalition without him as the, the majority that went away, like at the same time as this is happening. So the, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard for me to see those things as being separate. Like he is a person who's who's been in power for like a decade or more. He keeps wanting to come back to power. Like like yeah. I I don't really see how you can view it any other way, but I do understand if you are an Israeli like being yeah. like okay, well fuck it, I want I you know, don't want to deal with this. But and that dynamic yeah. happens in constantly across regions and across countries where a despotic leader is able to take advantage of fears and manipulates the situation. I think it's pretty clear that he, like there's a corrupt streak there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
like I don't know how I think we're past yeah. I think finally we're past the point where we can criticize Benjamin Netanyahu yeah. and not be anti-Semitic <laughs> he's right. a monster yeah yes he symbolizes the type of extremism that is fueling this and that is fucking shit up everywhere totally Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy healthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. So let's get into this story about the Associated Press building. Also over the weekend, Israel bombed a 12-story building housing news media, including Al Jazeera and the Associated Press. There's a lot of unknown information of this and a lot of conflicting claims. And I'll note we're recording this at 11.20 a.m. on Monday, May 17th. As of right now, throughout yesterday and this morning, Israel had claimed it had intelligence that Hamas was operating in the building. It claimed that it presented that to the United States, according to a Jerusalem official who told that to the Jerusalem Post. Uh, this was presumably on a call with President Biden. I read between Netanyahu and Biden, and they this publication gave the impression that the U.S. was satisfied with that information. A number of people who work, people that work in the building are pissed. The AP is pissed, obviously. Yeah. All their shit's gone. Your office got bombed. There was an essay right before this happened of a Gazan journalist who basically described the AP office in Gaza being the only place he felt safe for his entire life. He had had many family members die and he was like, I have this office. And like moments after he published that, this building gets blown up. Israel does warn when they say get out of the building, but they didn't give them time to, there's a video showing that they did not give them time or permit anybody to go up and get anything. Um, We don't know why this was done. Again, Israel is claiming that Hamas was operating in the building. This is an MO of Hamas. It does operate in buildings where it thinks that Israel won't bomb because there are civilians. It likes to use human shields, but we don't know if that was the case here and there's conflicting information. The AP's top editor is asking for an independent investigation of the bombing, saying that Israel has given her no information 
the leaders of the AP, you know, I don't know, really know what it, how it works to, you know, run a business in Gaza where you have to constantly be considering whether Hamas is in your building. But the leaders were saying like, no, we knew that they weren't. These are types of things that we watch. Um, I'm sure there's no way to fully know, but we have no idea what happened here. And as of this morning, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken signaled this morning that uh, he has been asking for evidence about whether Hamas was operating in the AP building, but he has not seen anything yet. So we do not know what the motivation was for bombing this building and if the Israeli government and military is being truthful. But an additional question is, you know, does it matter if Hamas was in the building? Did that mean Israel had to flatten it? So why does this feel like an important moment in the current conflict, whether or not Hamas was in the building? Why is that starting to stand for who is right and wrong here? Because that's the whole human shields argument. Okay. That's like what yeah. that's sort of the essence of it like what Israel, Israel does. Yeah. Right. Israel claims that they have like very strict rules of engagement and that because and that they're trying to be very targeted with with the things that they hit. But their their reason that there are so many casualties is because Hamas purposely puts their missiles and their weapons and their operatives amidst like civilians. That's what they claim. I wonder for, but you know, how long have they had this intelligence that Hamas has been operating out of the same building as the Associated Press and Al Jazeera? So yeah. it's like, why yeah. not? Like ha- the they, AP was like, we would have loved AP to have known said, that. The <laughs> yeah. AP said that that they had checked this thing to their best to the best of their ability. I personally was debating whether or not to include in the morning announcements whether that Hamas was it's in evolving. the building. Yeah. But I didn't think that a Jerusalem official telling the Jerusalem Post that they showed it to the U.S. and that the U.S. accepted it. I didn't. That was the only reporting on that. And to me, that felt too flimsy to include that amongst like the six sentences I'm going to say about this. And now Blinken has said, I haven't seen it. And he's the secretary of state. Wouldn't he be one of the first people on the list to see it? And there's also the there's also because they they bombed a building that's like the main hub of journalism in the area. Like there's this, it obviously brings up a question of were they trying to silence journalists? So it feels like it was like, it does. Israel always talks about how they're proportionate. This feels very not proportionate, like pretty clearly. Yeah. It sort of seems like, like you said, from a PR point of view, this is like the worst thing that they could have done. Obviously, you know, dropping bombs on the children is the worst thing that they've done. But from a PR, it's like, we were talking about this this morning, Sammy. It's like the US, US leaders give them so much rope and they take it yeah. all and they take too much. Plus it's like, oh, right, exactly. Okay, so will Israel initiate a ceasefire? Israel seems to be pretty proud of itself for targeting Hamas leaders. As we discussed, this is politically expedient for them to play up this line. You know, even though these have come with devastating civilian casualties, international outcry. So that's kind of a weird flex. Like like we've said a couple of times, there are people that vote in Israel who are very reassured by these actions. But there are also tons and tons and tons that do not and hate seeing this. And this is not what they want to see happening in their country or on their behalf. So the Israeli Air Force said on Twitter that its fighter jets has targeted nine residences. It said belonged to high-ranking Hamas commanders. One of those hits also destroyed a Doctors Without Borders clinic. 
So that doesn't really seem very targeted to avoid any carnage. So now the tone after this weekend and building yesterday, the tone of many in the international community whose knee-jerk reaction is typically to support Israel's right to defense. You hear the line, Israel has a right to defend itself. They're getting impatient, understandably. The UN Secretary General has said he's dismayed by the rising civilian casualties, called the situation utterly appalling. As we said, President Biden spoke with Israeli's, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and he also spoke to the Palestinian Authority president. It's important to know that um, Israel's prime minister and Netanyahu, they can influence what the Israeli military does. I don't think that the Palestinian Authority president can impact what Hamas does at all. So there's another asymmetry there. And as we mentioned, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken signaled today that he's not going to join the growing calls for a ceasefire um, but he did clarify that he is not sure what happened with that building. And as we mentioned, Netanyahu is saying we're going to keep going at least a couple more days. He says we need to keep going to keep Israelis protected. And he explicitly noted having the United States support as a factor in continuing. Yeah, that the the, the whole rhetoric of like, we're going to keep going. It just feels so like brazen and jolly. And it feels beyond like, oh, we're trying to protect ourselves. Like he feels like he's excited about it. Hawkish, I suppose, would be the technical term. Absolutely hawkish. Yeah. And what is that? What what is what at what point will you be satisfied? Like right. how many people do you need to kill? Like how many like like do you need Gaza to just only be rubble? Because that is what will happen. Um, and, you know, the U.N., called for a ceasefire and the United States was like the only one who vetoed it. it it's it's the Biden administration's response to this has not been great, I would say. Um, no. And even just because even like it's been a long term issue with American politics being so closely tied to the Israeli government, like obviously it's important to protect our allies and to help them and give them aid. But, you know, it's it reaches a certain level where it's like it's it's too much. And, you know, we can't be because we want the evangelical vote in the America, you know, it, that's really what it, a lot of it comes down to is politics again. And it's just really frustrating to see the Biden administration not try and stop civilian carnage at any cost. Yeah. Do you see Ted Cruz is like, I'm going to go to Israel and see what they need. Not you, oh. man. You're the last thing they need. Mm-hmm. Oh, like when he showed up and brought like one case right. of water to the, photo the victims in his own state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the most recent carnage after this was Gaza and 2,200 Palestinians were killed. Israel, you're not, you, you can't do that again. Like right. you're going to get destroyed. This is Stop. not look, look at what's happening. People are seeing what you're doing and they're reacting. So let's talk about some of the additional reactions from within the Democratic Party. Republicans generally as a party line, pretty supportive of Israel for reasons that don't really have anything to do with liking Jewish people or wanting them to have a safe homeland. Some progressives think Biden needs to drop unequivocal defense of Israel for the US to maintain any authority on human rights and equality. Senator Bernie Sanders wrote an op-ed in the New York Times on Friday entitled, The U.S. Must Stop Being an Apologist for the Netanyahu Government, which made that precise argument, explained why you can criticize Israel without criticizing Jews, and it is important to distinguish between the Netanyahu government and the Israeli military and what people on the ground want, but that it simply cannot go on like this, that we, we present ourselves as a guarantor of international human rights and we give billions of dollars that lets this happen. And we need to have another conversation about that. 
in reaction to this, the nation's largest Muslim civil rights group, the Council on American Islamic Relations, super influential group, joined a boycott of a virtual White House Eid celebration. John Ossoff and 20 other senators have also called for a ceasefire. I cannot generalize about everybody, but I would say that what a lot of progressives critical of Israel want is for the United States to condition the massive amount of military aid it gives to Israel on some policy changes to promise and promises to protect. I think people get really reactive about um, saying we shouldn't give Israel any money for the reason I said, which is that Israel is really vulnerable to things other than Hamas. We also give like everybody money. Right. I, that does, that also, yeah. that doesn't yeah. mean we can't say stop murdering civilians with bombs with this money. We condition aid on all countries. Like, do we not do that to all countries? Yes. So then, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, like, they would say, get out of our politics, Israel, right? You know, however, Bibi Netanyahu went to the fucking Congress and gave a speech without the president's, you know, approval. He wasn't invited by the president of the United States and he did it anyways. So it's like, this guy doesn't give an F. So we, and he's going to do whatever he wants. We need, if they want our money, like, don't stop. Stop killing people with with our money, you know? Yeah, I don't think. Yes, I think that that's fine. It's not hard to not. (laughs) Especially if we treat all the other countries that way. Right. I mean, we won't give money to countries like we refuse to let other countries use money that we give them on fucking abortions and birth control. So I'm pretty sure we can tell Israel stop murdering babies like it's fine. Right. I guess that's what we're doing with the no birth control in their view. See, that's what Republicans would say is that we're not going to get fund the murdering of babies. You know what? Then why don't you be consistent everywhere? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But there are also progressives who take more of a BDS line, which is boycott, divestment and sanctions, which is a little more targeted at. I'm not the most fluent person in this, but I think it's a little bit targeted at Israel overall involving not just the government, but don't buy goods from Israel, all sorts of things that um, just withholding support for it as a a nation overall. Yeah, I would say that is more that's that's unique. Yeah, I would would, like (laughs) very Israel. Like you don't really hear about movements like that. And I'm also not the most well versed in this, but I do think there is a huge difference between BDS and like essentially trying to like economically destroy Israel as a country versus like, we're going to condition our aid the same way we do for all other countries and their human rights actions. You mean there's nuance about a centuries old conflict? What? Well, some people think that this is only a hundred years old. So yes. (laughs) Yes. My grandpa. Yeah. It's fun. I just learned that. I guess I'd love to know where my grandparents were when they claimed to be in Israel all those years ago. Apparently it just popped up. (laughs) Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. You get fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So this brings us to what we sort of have been talking about in this podcast is like how to talk about it. My first question, something I've been thinking about all weekend is what do you think this conversation would have been like in a Trump administration? How do you think it would have been different? Sammy? A whole fucking nightmare. Yeah. And the entire, I could see the entire left mobilizing against Israel because partly because of what Trump's actions would have been. And like, he probably would have been tweeting like crazy things. Mm -hmm. There would have been so many more racist things. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could see that being a situation where a whole thing is sparked by some random X factor that comes into play here. You just have sort of like standard dynamics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, just yeah. not good. It would not have been good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, especially because I think we're at a point where, especially among progressives, the question I'm asking myself is how do we possibly move forward with reforming how we view America's relationship with Israel as progressives? When there are some people that think Rashida Tlaib, who is Palestinian, and Ilhan Omar, let's stick with, with like Rashida Tlaib, who's been pretty focused on this, is an anti-Semite. While other people think that simply acknowledging Israel's right to exist is a Zionist Islamophobic statement of hate. Like, how do we reform if if there are these are the two poles? And when you try to suggest that both have merit, then you fall into the same extremism that's causing the conflict. I think that we should apply sort of the same lens that we apply to any struggle within any community. So when you talk about policing, you want to listen to black people who bear the brunt of the policing policies. When you're talking about LGBTQ issue, you want to talk to someone in that community about their real instances. I think that like I don't want to opine on Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. I don't know them personally to be like you are this or that. But I do think that in for a situation like this, I think the people who should be sort of leading this would be progressive Jews, because you have people who are coming from a progressive lens who can recognize like the the human rights factors of this, who can see what people mean when they're applying like an oppressor oppressed lens to this. 
But you also have people who, if you are a Jew, you do under, you do have like the lens of the community and understand why people feel this protectiveness over Israel and over this attachment to the land. And I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, you should listen to me. I'm not the person necessarily that you should listen to. But in general, I do think that those people in terms of American policy are positioned well to kind of see see both sides. Yeah. I do want to like clarify that I was specifically talking about the question of Israel's right to exist. And that is where American progressive Jews should be heard. I agree. Right. Exactly. Because to assume there's one universal, we all will die for it is not at all correct. And I think when you're saying progressive Jews, there are a couple meanings of that. There are Jews in America who identify as progressive voters who maybe are very, very um, pro-Israel and really strong in their Zionist feelings and are just forget. But then progressive Jews can also mean a Jewish person in America who's very critical of Israel and who wants to really reform how we look at that. And that's like, like Instagram accounts, like Jewish voice for peace. Like there are, there's a spectrum of more Jews on the internet Mm -hmm. speaking out against Israel than there are not like, right. I also think there, there is a spectrum of those people who can have a conversation without like, Oh, you're anti-Semitic being like legitimized. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. So another Jew could call me anti-Semitic, but like, Okay, like I, you know, it's it's not the same as calling like Ilhan Omar anti-Semitic. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't carry yeah. the same, you know. Like, as as yeah. but like like, like Bernie Sanders point. writing Bernie Sanders writing this op-ed over the weekend, John Ossoff being the yes. one to call for a ceasefire. Like, and they you can't call them. I mean, you can obviously call them anti-Semitic, but like it wouldn't. It just it, it doesn't have the same. Right. Like they're not going to be blinded to the importance of Israel. They're not going to like not care about that. Mm -hmm. So it's also important not to tokenize people as we would every time. Like, don't don't like like don't like I've gotten messages that like as a Jew, I respect I I, I wish you would have spoken out. It's like, okay, so Jews are like untrustworthy. It's not like we don't all say that like. When Tim, like, because Tim Scott is a Republican, we don't all say that, like, oh, good, okay, well, then black people are fine with police violence because Tim Scott said that there's no racism. Like, be as thoughtful and as critical as you are about everything. Right. We also don't have to only like respect Jews if you agree with them. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like, that's not how you look at any other community. So mm-hmm. it's just sort of like, I don't know. I do think the most productive conversations I've had are with other, like, progressive leaning Jews who have different ideas across the spectrum. And it's also important to note that like w- this is being critical of the, the right wing government. It is, no- it is nothing to do with the people. It is, you know, like that it's, it, it would be like me feeling like I was being during Trump, like me being labeled like that, you know, it's not the same. It's, it's about the people. It's about the government. And to the extent that people right. are involved, they are the extremists. Like, like there are everywhere. These are the people which Sammy has said, like the people that are trying to settle are the right wing nuts that are like camping out at night and that are racist. No, not at and night. That, they are living. They just there. live there. They just live there and wait to jump in. Like that is not normal. That is not the normal point of view. Right. It's, it's not just BB alone. And like the people who support, like it's also these people who are willing to actually take those actions to make it harder for Palestinians to have a contiguous state because they have now carved out these settlements that make it more challenging. So it's like they're sort of like claiming the land by reality is like kind of the idea. 
Oh, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're just like, it's our land because we're here. Right. Essentially, which did violate what they were. They were not supposed to do that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Like, make sure you're looking at a range of opinions from progressive Jews and obviously Palestinian voices, um, which are, which are key here. And like the social media conversation can get really toxic. So continue to urge you to seek out sources from everywhere. Like I've seen some gnarly misinformation on both sides. I've seen people claim that Bella Hadid was chanting things that she absolutely was not. And I've seen old videos used to uh, denigrate is normal Israelis that are from, you know, years ago. So Seek out lots of sources. One is not going to give you anything. Bella um, posted Marissa Cabus on her story. That was amazing. And you're yeah. talking to Marissa this week. Oh, yeah. And she and I have been... Great. So so this is actually interesting. I know Marissa's family in Israel. Oh, and no way. She, yeah. So that's... We have like a lot to in common in that sense. So it has been interesting. So we'll be... She'll be uh, talking to us. Yes, it's definitely not the last time we're going to talk about this. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That is our show. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.